And I know if you place your trust in a different provider and they let you down, it can be tempting to pull back in and do everything yourself. But that just means that you haven't chosen the right specialist. If it's your first time and you've never heard it before, depreciation is probably the biggest one particularly for anyone that's got a newer home, having the depreciation schedule done once off will allow you to claim a depreciation expense for, well, as long as you hold the property as an investment property. When you're running a business, you need to, I guess, be observing where the overall market is heading. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate the highly rated and award-winning property management, sales and buyers agency servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Dwayne. How you going? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Excellent. Doing really well. Toddlers asleep. We've got uh, up to two hours to get this episode down. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Today, I wanted to touch on the top mistakes that we see our new landlords make. And I guess a lot of these come from transitioning from being that accidental investor, as we call it, where you might rent out your home and you haven't uh, rented property before. And we're going to kind of, I guess, transition through the thinking all the way up to being a professional investor, where you treat your investing more as a business. And the sooner you can make this switch, and especially in your thinking and, and how your property's set up, the less stress and emotional strain you're going to have along the way, wouldn't you say? Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's often clients that come on board that still treat the property, the investment as their own home. And it's a few things that we can change and help with the mindset to enable them to make a bit more money from their business. And you've got to look at setting up both the property and your mindset. I guess let's go through some of these things that someone can do to start treating their investing as more of a business. So I guess the key one, big picture before we start getting down into some of the nitty gritty, is that when you are chatting to them at that initial meeting and say, how does this fit into their overall plan? What's the typical answers that you get? <laughs> the typical answer I get is that I have no real plan. I'm just renting it now and let's see what the market has to offer. We'll reassess in a few years' time, but there's no real plan, no destination, no real purpose for investing too, no goals, nothing's been set. So it's difficult to then plan an exit strategy involved with that and to try and make the most out of the market too. So yeah, it's a very interesting question when people are investing in property. Um, a lot of them just seem to be accidental and just hold the property until they think it's good enough to sell. It's pretty hard to know when to sell and if you've ever arrived at your destination, if you don't know where you're going. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what usually happens is they hold the property until it either they either have big headaches with their tenant and thankfully we minimise those and guarantee peace of mind so people aren't ever selling for that reason. But a lot of investors run into trouble with their tenants, don't have a larger plan and, and purpose holding them to what they're you know trying to achieve and then they run into trouble with their tenants, trouble with their property manager, all becomes too hard and they sell the property. That's the, I guess, the real crying shame of the path that many investors would take, wouldn't you say? Yeah, completely agree. We've seen properties on market that haven't been able to sell over the past two years. I mean, things are changing now, but resort back to their plan B of renting. And when I ask why they're selling, it's because they've had a horrible experience with a property manager or a tenant and they just want to get out of the game. 
So for them, particularly with no plan and destination in mind, it's just easier to get out of the market and not have to stress about it. But I not, don't necessarily think that's the right option either. We could talk a whole episode about creating a plan. And well, I certainly have uh, back in episode three, if listeners want to go back and check that one out. And I'll be touching on it in future ones as to just putting episode together as to how the upgrading of your home I guess, ties in with investing and also paying down debt and some of the considerations with those three options in front of the average person. But I guess today I wanted to go a bit more into some of the mindset and the thinking that someone can adjust first. And a lot of it stems from in business, we see people running their businesses as a sole operator and they're often trying to do everything themselves. They don't want to use other people because they don't trust them. It's the classic self-manager that is looking after their own property and often going around and doing their own maintenance as well and you know <laughs> mowing the lawns on the weekend for the tenant too. And I guess they, they don't build a team of specialists and understand the power of leverage and they think that they can do everything best themselves. So why not give up their time to do it? And often they're not placing a a value on their time and when you look at the amount of time that it takes them to mow the lawns at you know three hours versus the lawnmower guy or the you know preferably the tenant if it's not included in the rent it can be done a lot better by someone else in many cases yeah and, it, and you know the only resource i believe that is a limited resource that we have is time by self-managing your property and trading your time it might not necessarily be the best way to get to that destination like you said the sole operator thing there are a lot of people out there that are self-managing and it might be going well for them but in order to build a portfolio you do need a team of specialists around you that can give you the advice and that you can outsource to and trust and i know if you place your trust in a different provider and they let you down it can be tempting to pull back in and do everything yourself but that just means that you haven't chosen the right specialist and you know there's probably a number of things that you can look for to i guess make that choice more reliable don't go to the online white pages or google and just type in the role name and hope to find the very best straight off the bat what are some of the telltales that you can look through i guess to do a bit of diligence on whether the person you're choosing does stack up train uh, particularly for property management. <laughs> I think that's, that's what we know best. And obviously yeah. the same would apply when you're perhaps choosing an accountant or choosing a settlement agent, choosing a finance broker. All of these are essential team members and we'll be probably going through in more in depth in a future episode, some of the interview questions and some of the nitty gritty of what to look for in these professions and team around you, but what are some of the telltale signs, I guess, that apply for choosing a property manager and that also apply to others? Well, I think the number one for me when choosing any service provider is their communication and how fast they can get back to you. And when you put your inquiry in, does it take them two weeks or, or two minutes to get back to you? Because at the end of the day, when you're the client <laughs> and you need an answer answered, you need to be able to get in touch with these service providers quickly and not have to hang around and waste your time chasing them up. So I think that's probably the core one for me, choosing any service provider. And I mean, never expect things to change on the back end if they can't get it right on the front end. It's incredibly disheartening to me because sometimes we're going to try to find uh, some extra trades or people for our rent roll to use. 
And I'm also looking for other service providers that we can, you know, trust and refer to. I usually like to use them myself first and put them through the tests. And, you know, even during the week, I, I rang a firm, left a message as if I was, you know, a prospective client uh, looking to speak to them about how they can help. Still haven't gotten a call back, Dwayne. That was Monday. It's now uh, Friday. So I dare say it, if I ever hear from them again, I won't be using them. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that's probably the most important thing for me when choosing a service provider as the initial layer, but then obviously finding out a bit more about their professionalism and how they can go in terms of providing the service that meets my expectations and what I want as a particular client, not just having a one size fits all approach. I think that's really important because everyone has different goals and different destinations and different plans. So finding the people that can work in congruently with you and actually support you in achieving those, I think is probably the next most important thing as well. And it's always good to consider what level you're at and try to find people that are ahead of you in the, the direction you're heading and get them to pull you up and cover your blind spots and fill in the gaps on what you didn't even know that you didn't know. And that's why, you know, you really do need to find those that have depth to their experience that have been through a number of cycles that have done what you're trying to do and uh, can help you, I guess, avoid costly mistakes and do things better, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. definitely. And what are the, some of the kind of superficial online indicators? I know when I'm looking at going to a order from a local fast food place, we don't do fast food, <laughs> a, a local restaurant. <laughs> I like to look at Google reviews and dig through them and see what the comments are and, you know, just you might be able to trick a customer once, but when you've got hundreds and hundreds of customers, especially in our case with 700 plus landlords and 700 plus tenants, it's going to show up pretty quick if we're not doing a good job, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The Google reviews is a good place to start looking as well. As you mentioned, Facebook reviews as well, you know, third parties providing that kind of evidence is great. So yeah, you can't, you can't hide if you've got that many clients that you're working for. And if you're doing a poor job, I think it comes out pretty quickly. Yeah. And I guess the other one that uh, isn't applicable to every profession, but industry awards are incredibly important in the property management space. And I guess we started out winning a number of state awards in 2010 was our first one. We won Rewa Property Manager of the Year and you won it in 2013, didn't you? So uh, kudos <laughs> to you. <laughs> the youngest guy, uh, the first male, um, as far as I'm aware, and the youngest person to ever win Rewa Property Manager of the Year, <laughs> as far as I know. But then we were lucky enough to go up on the national stage and win you know, countless awards across the whole of Australia. And it's really great to compete and raise yourself to that bar because it didn't happen overnight for us, did it? It was a lot of a lot of work. A lot of hard work. Yeah, and no, that's it. Absolutely. Certainly was. And when you get on that arena you can we find out what the other best operators around are doing and then try to do things even better than them. So it also pulls you up as a business if winning those kind of awards and getting in that level of game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one other thing to be considering in regards to building a team of specialists around you that, you know, cheap is not always best. Finding the cheapest accountant doesn't mean the accountant's going to give you good advice and that uh, goes well i just thought the whole episode on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is great when you find one or someone of any profession because the telltale is that they're saving you more than they're costing you exactly. and not only that their expense 
is tax deductible. So everyone that is not thinking as a business owner doesn't realize that they're actually getting a saving on using this service provider and that's at your marginal tax rate of either 30, probably between 30 or 50% off effectively by, you know, being able to use their cost as a tax deduction come end of financial year. Yeah. So what's some of the other things? Is it just me or does the people not, most people not have a budget or any idea of their <laughs> cash flow? No, not when they first get into it. <laughs> They're sort of flying in a bit blind and they don't know what expect. Uh, expenses to be allocating for and putting money aside for. So, you know, they, they walk in thinking that it's just the rent collected, property management fees, interest payments, and, you know, <laughs> you know that's basically it. But, you know, there are other expenses that come into it and it's good to budget that and um, project a bit of a cash flow to make sure that things are running the right way for you. Yeah, I guess people don't often consider insurance until it's too late. And it's one of those you know, always wishing you had it and when something happens. And we go, you know, really far to try to make sure all of our clients are taking out landlord's protection insurance, especially with a specialist provider as well and not their bank, you know, <laughs> but obviously they can go through and weigh up the different pros and cons themselves and we just let them know different options that are out there. And, you know, people are often uninsured as well. So yeah, something happens to their income. They can be a month away from a financial disaster and needing to be forced to sell, as we saw many people have happened to over the last few years. Yeah, and I think that rolls right into needing a bit of a buffer, you know, having the budget and the cash flow there. But when things do hit the fan or hot water system goes or when big repairs need to be conducted because the property is older, there is money that needs to be invested into the property to maintain its standard, to maintain its value. Also, things like tenants where they may not pay rent. Um, it might take a few weeks to get the tenant out. And when people are living paycheck to paycheck with no buffer, backs it to the wall very, very quickly. So- Very stressful, buffer. isn't it? And Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I fully understand you know, how people get in that place, but obviously if you can plan towards creating that buffer and having it there for when you, you do need it, as you know with how we run uh, our business at Investors Edge Trained, we allocate into various accounts ahead of time so that we've got a marketing account, we've got a general liability account, we've got a training account, you know, all of the money's there when we need it. And it's the same with your investing as well. You, you need to ex expect that there's probably going to be $2,000 in maintenance per year and get to know your property. If it's an older property that's a character property, you're going to be probably more up around four or 5000 per year. If it's a new build and it's still covered under its maintenance warranty, well, maybe you're going to get away with nothing for two or three years. So again, case by case and think about what sort of buffer is appropriate there. Yeah, it's exactly right. I think it really comes down to the property and a little bit of experience and your property manager that you choose can give you that kind of knowledge and insight if, it, if it's your first time and you're not too sure. Yeah, well, the other one that people are often surprised about is maximising their deductions and really making sure that they're getting everything come tax time. What some of the things that they should be thinking about there? Look, if it's your first time and you've never heard it before, depreciation is probably the biggest one, particularly for anyone that's got a newer home. Having the depreciation schedule done once off will allow you to claim a depreciation expense for, well, as long as you hold the property as an investment property, I think up to about 40 years, if I'm not mistaken. But the depreciation quantity surveyors, the guys that go out there will give you a report that you can claim and it actually makes a big impact to your after-tax returns. 
Exactly. And I guess always look at where something could be deemed an investment expense and try to always claim legitimate expenses that are for investment purposes. But sometimes something could be deemed investment and whereas you're treating it as personal, so always look to find those other things that that could be included and work with your accountant on that. Yeah, I think that plugs straight back into having that team of specialists giving the right advice and saving you the money. So yeah, finding an accountant that you can rely on is really important. So what else uh, when it comes to treating your investing as a business, people often delay their maintenance or I guess don't treat their tenant as a client. It can frustrate the tenants when you delay your maintenance. Ultimately, as you said, if you're running this as a business, they are your client. You've got to treat them with respect and the respect they deserve. So if there are maintenance issues that need to be addressed, address them quickly. No point waiting around for something that has to be done. If it has to be done, it has to be done. But there are times where you can delay your maintenance if it's okay with the tenant. They don't mind waiting and you can then time it to the right part of the year where you might be able to get your tax back a bit sooner. So aiming to do something before June 30 rather than you know after the 1st of July. So you can delay maintenance here and there, but I think ultimately the client is the tenant and you need to keep them happy, keep the property up to standard and keep the property value there too. I guess you want to make sure that your property manager's troubleshooting the maintenance on the front end too and putting as much back on the tenant where it is damage or cleanliness related. And then we, we regularly have tenants to our home opens and when we chat to tenants about why they're leaving their property, it comes up very regularly, doesn't it? That they're upset with their property manager, upset with the owner, doesn't do maintenance, treats them poorly and thankfully for us, we have our tenants move around between our properties and stay with us as a property manager, which I guess is testament to the experience that they've had as well. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And, you know, leading, leading into that fact as well, we have a lot of tenants asking for an upgrade from a three-better to a four-better because they want to stay with the service they've got. Ultimately, the property manager that you choose to employ, uh, you choose to be the face, that person represents you. And if that person is slow at the communication or doesn't report the tenant's issues and frustrations through, the tenant ultimately blames you as well as the property manager it's you're all one in the same so by having someone not representing you in that right way it can actually harm your clients and therefore harm your business as well for sure and uh you can bet if your property manager is slow in communicating with you how do you (laughs) think they're communicating with the tenants yeah exactly multiply that by two or three Some of the other aspects I wanted to touch on is what are some of the things that someone could do to actually set the property up to be low maintenance and and hassle-free? Because it's usually not something people think of. They think, especially when they've lived in the property, they expect everyone else to just take care of it as they did and and have as much passion for their garden as they do. (laughs) Uh, What are some of the things that someone might be able to do to set it up to be easy care? Yeah, look, I mean, choosing native plants is always a good start. No need to water as much as some of the other plants that are out there. Choosing different flooring options outside rather than having grass, you might choose to pave a smaller section of the area. You might use things like AstroTurf as well so that it is low maintenance. But I think if there is any kind of gardens, automated reticulation, (laughs) that really makes a big difference. It's always going to come on when it needs to come on. Yep, and rain, hail or shine or whether the tenant's there or on holidays, yeah, it's on. 
probably don't need it when it's raining, Jared. But <laughs> but um, no, hundred percent. I think it's it's good that it's there and it's working and it's going to keep it as I said a low maintenance garden. And when you're choosing the types of plants, try not to choose fast going plants. If you're not sure, speak to the guys at Bunnings. They're they're very helpful. But more importantly, if you're choosing things like plants that grow to hedges within a year or two. That's going to require a bit of trimming and a bit of uh, maintenance as well. So that's why I'm a fan of the natives because they don't grow that quickly and they don't take a lot of water. So they're, they're hard-wearing plants. Yeah, that all makes sense. And I guess with the inside, if your property hasn't been maintained and looked after, you can't be that surprised when you know a good property manager keeps getting in touch to try to get the condition up, can you? I mean, that could be pretty annoying for a a new landlord that we take on when you know maintenance might not have been done by their previous property manager in the last five years. Yeah, that's it. Usually a bit of a list gets pulled together or collated so that we can get the property back to a place where the value represents what it should truly be. We've seen properties where the list is quite long, but the idea is that if you don't invest the money now into getting this property more presentable, one, you're going to find that Average tenants will look at average properties. Great tenants look at great properties. So you won't be attracting the top quality tenant. But two, it's doing a bit of um, damage to the value of your property too. If you do get a reval done, people walk in and it's falling apart. You know, it's <laughs> it's not you exactly to sell that to the value. Exactly, exactly. So just want to try and keep that maintenance uh, consistent so that the property value is consistent over time as well not not ups and downs where you've put 20 grand in here and then you don't spend money for another 20 years <laughs> you know it, it doesn't make sense to do it that way well we've spoken about a, a lot about the nitty-gritty of running your investing as a business and I, I wanted to finish on a few bigger picture things because obviously when you're running a business you need to I guess be observing where the overall market is heading and you know keep an eye on what stage the cycle things are in and I guess the amateur or accidental person doesn't ever observe that know that and use that when making decisions do they? I think it's a little bit too late um, they're usually looking and reading things on the media <laughs> and I can say that the media is not necessarily the first to be seeing the signs of changes in the cycles so having not just and it's hard with the media as well because I mean we all know that they need to sell clicks and attention and they can beat small things up into being big things. They can take momentary shifts or, you know, things that aren't going to necessarily prevail. And they don't often talk to longer term trends. They just are trying to sell the short term click. So if you make your decisions from that outlet, it's... Uh, you can certainly be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. But I think leading back to that, not just choosing, if you're looking at having a team of specialists, a property manager might be excellent at the rental market and what they're good at. But I think what's more important as well is understanding that choosing someone who's your investment partner in property, they can give you advice around both selling and rental and not be biased towards one over the other, giving you a genuine, hey, look, this is how it is. This is the market as it is. Make a decision as you go is very very, very important. Yeah, I think that you can look at the different stages of cycles and pick things when you're looking at the longer term trends between 10, 20 to 30 years, not just looking back at the past five years and said, we've had no growth. Well, you know, no doy. That's, I guess, something that we can help with. And I know Jared is um, very into with his Perth property update as well. Well, I'm often talking owners out of selling if their reasons aren't stacking up to 
what they're trying to get out of that result. You don't want to look back in a year or two and think, oh, gee, the market's now gone up, but I should have held that property and it wasn't actually costing me anything. I just hit my fear button and panic button and uh, pressed eject. I'm really loving my metaphors today in case you hadn't noticed. I noticed. <laughs> the other thing with understanding the cycles is they're often not prepared for the time it might take between cycles. And I hear it regularly saying, oh, well, the, oh, the market's done nothing over the last three to five years. And it's almost like a con- an expectation for continual growth. And yeah, granted, things did go on a bit longer that we might have expected them to, uh, being down for longer, but we also had things going up for a lot longer than we probably should have had prior to, in the decade prior to that. So now we're coming around again and we'll probably continue up for way longer than everyone thinks. The amount of stimulus that's in the pipeline, the amount of projects that's in the pipeline for 2022 and 2023 and ever-growing, we'll probably underestimate what's involved again, won't we? Or hopefully if you're listening to this, you won't. Now, one of the final concepts I wanted to leave people with is people often look at return on their capital that they put in. So when you go to buy a property, you might have used an 80% loan and put 20% in. If the market's growing you know, at 10% on that per year, you're getting a, a 50% return on your capital. So you're effectively getting half your money back in one year. What I would, I would encourage people to focus on is not just look at the return of the total investment, but look at when they can get their, their total capital back out again. Because every time you can get your capital out, you can then do other things. You can reinvest that money. You can make it work harder for you. And you effectively have an infinite return once you've refinanced your whole 20% of deposit out, don't you? Because at that point, you've got none of your own money in mm-hmm. and the property's working hard for you. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. 100%. So yeah, keep on top of values. And if you're a client of ours, we can give you regular appraisals to see when that point is. And you can also look at forcing up your values with adding value through, you know, renovation and or subdivision as we've touched on in some of our other episodes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us today, Dwayne. Hopefully we can point to some of our newer landlords to this episode and save you some time when meeting with them. <laughs> yeah, indeed. No worries. All right. Take care, Jared. Bye. Just a reminder, the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group. (laughs) 